Hi there, my name is Megan Brantley and I'm the Vice President of Research here at Like Folio. And I'm excited to talk to you guys today. I think that this presentation might be a little bit of a different flavor from um, others, which I think is awesome. It's great to see a lot of different perspectives and hear about the ways that lots of women approach trading and investing. And in this instance, um, specifically with like folio, I'm going to be talking about how we use social data to understand consumer behavior and then how we apply what we know in that data to trading and investing. And this is just a standard disclaimer that this is not um, any type of formal investment advice, but this is certainly how we approach things at like folio. And what we do big picture is we analyze social media data so that we can accurately predict shifts in consumer spending behavior before it becomes news on. And one of the ways that we're able to do this is by listening for consumer mentions of publicly traded companies and not necessarily the stocks of publicly traded companies, but the actual products and brands that are owned by these public companies. So we can gauge, you know, consumer demand, consumer sentiment, and we'll, we'll kind of dig into the weeds later. And one of the ways that we're able to do this is we have an exclusive partnership with Twitter that gives us full access to Twitter's um, fire hose. And so what this means is that our data goes all the way back to 2012, which is really, really important whenever you're thinking about backtesting and whenever you're thinking about how best to derive signal, how best to understand, um, you know, if and when your data is most predictive. And then we also have access to real-time data. So, you know, we're capturing tweets in real time, which allows us to know up to the moment exactly how um, consumer demand, consumer sentiment, and consumer buzz is trending whereas companies only report on these results every quarter. So this gives us a little bit of an edge and definitely a head start, especially whenever we're looking at things from a consumer perspective. And if you want to dig into this, if you go on Twitter's developer site, you should be able to find a case study where they highlighted this use case of how we're using Twitter data um, to help investors. And so to break down exactly how we do this, this is the first example, and this is just the, the base level consumer tweet. And we're, we're looking for a lot of different things to tweet. And so the first thing that we're looking for is this mention of the company or brand or product. And in this case, on this tweet example, the company is Skechers. So this consumer is talking about buying a pair of Skechers, feeling pretty good about it. Um, but this is the first trigger for us that just that tag Skechers would tell us, okay, this is a tweet that we need to analyze. And then we're breaking it down for a couple of different things. First, we're looking for purchase intent. So what this means is that the consumer has just spent money or plans to spend money on a product or a brand tied to a publicly traded company. Next, we want to understand, you know, what was this experience like? Was it a positive experience? Was it a negative experience? Because it's really powerful when you get to see how consumer sentiment changes over time, and similarly, how demand changes over time. By aggregating all of these mentions and, and comparing versus itself, it gives you a really nice roadmap of you know, whether a brand is gaining momentum, whether a brand is losing momentum, and it's across the masses, right? So we're talking hundreds of tweets that we're analyzing. So it's a really nice sample size. And 
This is something that I think a lot of people try to understand via focus groups. A lot of companies might try to understand via focus groups, but because of our technology, you know, we're able to do this in real time, which is super powerful. And, you know, I mentioned that, you know, we might be looking at hundreds of tweets and that's certainly true for a specific brand or product, but on any given day, we're sorting through millions of tweets and making sure that they are mapped to the appropriate, you know, brand level, um, all the way up to that public company that owns the brand. Um, I believe that on average, we're tracking three and five million tweets a day that are actually triggering for one of our brand or product keywords. So these are actually tweets that we're analyzing that are a positive hit for something, whether it be a brand, a product, or a trend that we're tracking or that we're interested in. And then something that's new is we're starting to incorporate a lot of digital insights too. And we're doing this, um, a lot of this is powered by SimilarWeb, which you may have heard of, but this allows us to have a nice look into e-commerce activity. And it also allows us to test our own, you know, Twitter theories and to see if trends and things that we're watching on Twitter matches what we're watching um, online. And you can imagine how this would be really powerful for some brands, like, for example, a Chewy that is e-commerce based or even like a Nike, whose emphasis has been much more on directing our strategy of late. Um, this would be more powerful versus, let's say, a company like Cracker Barrel, which is probably more dependent on people actually coming into the stores, especially now that um, you know we're easing out of this pandemic and we're seeing a drop off in food delivery. Um, this is just an example of you know supplementary data that that we're looking at. But what we found whenever we analyze a lot of the different metrics that we track at like Folio, the most powerful and the most predictive in most cases, not all cases, but most cases is purchase intent, especially whenever we're looking um, ahead of earnings to try to understand, okay, where is revenue going to come in ahead of an earnings event? Um, and it, this makes sense because purchase intent mentions by definition, these are mentions of consumers who are talking about spending money. They just made a service. They just made a purchase. They signed up for a service. They took an action. And so um, that's really powerful. And what one thing that we're really proud of is we've had our data tested by some third parties and Georgetown University, they took a really good look at our data and they found that when it was aggregated at the firm level, it's predictive of both upcoming sales and the unexpected component of sales growth at the firm level. And I think that this is what we do best. We do best at spotting those surprises, spotting these you know trending products, spotting these viral products, spotting just unexpected strength and vice versa, unexpected weakness, because we're listening to consumers and understanding, you know, how consumers are talking about things in real time. And from our coverage perspective, um, we cover almost 500 companies. And you can imagine that these companies that we're covering are going to be very consumer facing, right? These need to be companies with brands and products that consumers actually want to talk about. And I think this is a big way that we're different from perhaps a lot of peers or competitors that you may have heard of that look at cash tags, or maybe they're looking at just mentions of the stock from um, people on Twitter. So, you know, the, the ticker symbol or they're talking about the company, but we at Lightfolio, we're less interested in the majority of our product cases about what investors are saying. And we're more interested 
in what Karen down the street thinks about um, about McDonald's and what her line weight was whenever she was in the drive through. And is she returning? Is it is she cutting back? You know, all of these different things can be really powerful um, insights to have as an investor, just as a nice gut check. And another thing that we've been doing, you'll notice we track even more trends than we do companies. And part of that is because we've learned that one way to make our signals stronger and enhance our predictions is understanding these macro level consumer trends. So these high level shifts that are likely to serve as a headwind or a tailwind for the different companies in our universe. So for example, we're, we're seeing a massive surge in consumers who are talking about being, being open to or willing to or even looking around to purchase an EV. We saw this demand for EVs, electric vehicles, really spike, especially too, alongside um, concerns about rising gas prices, which is another trend that we track. So it's really interesting to see those two acting in tandem. And then it's also interesting to watch both of those trends alongside a handful of different um, EV companies that we follow in our universe. So to be able to take it a step further and say, okay, we think that consumer demand for EVs are reaching a tipping point was certainly driven higher by gas prices. And now it's being driven higher by affordability. Um, A lot of consumers are reporting being able to actually consider an electric vehicle. It's no longer just perceived as this luxury and out of grasp concept. It's actually something that could be very real and tangible for consumers. So it's it's interesting interesting on a qualitative standpoint to see this sentiment come through in tweets. But then we can say, okay, whenever we look at all of the companies in our universe to say, wow, Tesla's really outperforming here. Um, demand is really strong. And, and this is something that we certainly saw, especially whenever Tesla lowered its prices earlier this year. We saw a demand spike immediately alongside that. We saw sentiment spike. And then conversely, we saw um, Tesla say that, yes, demand in January was some of the strongest that it recorded. So all of these things kind of work in tandem um, to get down into the weeds of beyond just companies and trends. We're, we're tracking things at the brand level. So we understand, you know, when a company, when an overall company demand is popping, you know, what's driving that? What's the driver of this success or what's the driver of this weakness? Um, it helps us tell a complete story and do, do better research. We also have hundreds of thousands of unique keywords. And one thing that we're really focused on is listening to how consumers actually speak versus how consumers should speak. My favorite example to use whenever I talk about this is Starbucks. Um, you know, Starbucks is famous for a lot of things. And one of the things that people love to chat about are its frappuccinos. But, you know, we actually have more hits on our, you know, more mention hits for misspellings of frappuccino than the the correct spelling of Frappuccino. And I bet that if all of us were to get out and try to type it out, we would all spell it a little bit differently. And, you know, that's something that's something that humans are really good at and that our team is really good at is understanding how are consumers likely to maybe misspell brands, misspell products, maybe nickname brands and products. Um, you know, consumers are going to use inappropriate grammar. They're probably not going to use appropriate punctuation, especially on social media. And we take all of these things into account. And that's why we have such a, a vast um, swath of keywords at play. And then this last piece of info snapshots might seem might seem a little foreign. But what this means is in our world, 
we're not only tracking all of the brands and products that a company owns, but we're tracking when these brands and products actually fell under the company's ownership. So a good example of this would be Whole Foods. So, you know, prior to a few years ago, Whole Foods was not owned by Amazon. So whenever you're testing and whenever you're trying to apply um, mentions and data, you know, these these shouldn't, you know, mentions of Whole Foods shouldn't be credited to Amazon until Amazon completed the acquisition of that brand. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that brands and products change hands that so many times, but we actually have a start and a stop date, which is what these snapshots are. So we have 23,000 start and stop dates in our coverage universe of about 500 companies. So this, this actually happens a lot. New products are constantly released um, and, you know, mergers and acquisitions happen. So it's important to be able to keep track of this, to keep the data set robust and just some of the, you know, quality assurance measures that we take for our clients. Um, the majority of our clients are hedge and plot funds, corporations and institutions. So by corporations, I mean, we do help teams. Like for example, one of our major clients is a very popular footwear brand and they wanted to understand um, you know, what do consumers want? Who are, you know, what's driving a purchase of their product? Um, what is missing from their product lineup? What are the top pain points for consumers? Things like that, that we're able to really dive, dive into for our data and also, you know, help under, help them understand a complete, you know, competitive analysis of, you know, how are peers doing in comparison to them and, you know, where should they be worried? What are they doing well? What are they doing poorly? And then um, we also partner with institutions. One example of this is you can catch us every day around 12.30 Eastern time on the TD Ameritrade network. Um, we go in and we typically feature at least one stock every day. And alongside the data that we see on our end, and then TD Ameritrade and um, their representatives, they help you know explain how you could potentially use this data to inform a trade whatever your position might be, or you're bearish, whether you're bullish, et cetera. But you'll notice one thing I didn't say when I didn't mention on there is individual investors. You know, we don't currently have access for individual investors on um, from like Folio, but we do have a couple of avenues that you can get involved if you want to keep up with this data. Because essentially the way that I think about like Folio is, you know, we're we're that tip sheet in your back pocket of when you have a trading thesis, when you have um, maybe a chart that you're looking at in your style of trading that you feel really bullish on, but you want to double check and say, okay, is this going to be supported by sales? And is, is my hypothesis actually supported by how consumers are behaving and how consumers feel? So this is a really nice gut check to go back and say, okay, I'm bullish on so-and-so, but... Let me check in on this just to just to see how this company is performing when it comes to consumer demand. Um, it could help either you know support your thesis or maybe it could poke some holes in your thesis, which is also healthy. Um, just to make sure that you know you're you're being as in while trading. And one thing that we do have is we put out daily content. We call it the daily drop. And if you go to likefolio.com, you can sign up for this. We have. Um, we do have a free version of this. So if you put your first name in and your email, we'll just we'll add you to this list and you can get kind of the, the top 
data point, the top story, at least on our radar for that day, um, at a pretty high level. I think that these are really well done. This is probably one of my favorite products that we offer, and I can't believe it's actually free. Um, but it's it's really helpful and it's really powerful. And we we try to write this in a way that's easy for easy that in a way that we would want to be something something that's easy to understand. We also do podcasts. We try to put these out monthly. Um, in this photo, you can see this is myself. I'm the, the only female in this photo. Then you've got, these are the founders of Lifefolio, Andy Swan and Landon Swan. And um, we try to put these out monthly. You can look for them in most any place that you're going to find your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, we even publish these on YouTube. Um, and they're there are deeper dives into the names that we're watching and how we think about our data and how we apply our data. And then, as I mentioned, we do do daily network appearances on the TD Ameritrade network every day around 1230. So if you want to tune in, you can kind of get a taste for how we apply our data and use our data. Um, we do have a partnership with a different firm that offers some type of membership and subscriptions for individual investors. And I will have my email address for you guys at the end of this um, presentation. It's just Megan at likefolio.com that if you're interested in something like that, I can connect you with them. Um, but I'll touch on that again later. Now we'll dive into kind of the fun stuff. So these are some, the first examples of these are going to be some proof points about um, recent calls that we've made and how we use our data. And this one I think is really relevant because I think that you'll probably see that Weight Watchers which is now goes by WW. It spiked enormously um, on Tuesday up by more than 50% um, whenever I was actually putting this presentation together. But one we started watching this was actually back in December of last year. And I want to show you what we were looking at and kind of introduce you to one way that we view our data. And this is the scatter plot. And what this is, is on the x-axis is where we plot demand growth. So that's the year-over-year -year change and consumers talking about actually signing up for or using a product. And then on the y-axis is consumer happiness levels. And that's just when we say percent positive. So out of all of the tweets that contain some type of sentiment indicator, what percent of those were positive? And um, I think that the, the size of the circle, too, is also relevant. That shows the overall mention volume. So obviously, a name like you can see on this chart, Peloton, has a much higher mention volume than a name like Nautilus or Medfast or Weight Watchers. But you can see Weight Watchers is in this right side of the chart. And even though happiness is a little bit lower versus peers, demand growth is much higher. And we saw not only was demand rising, but you can see buzz rising. And I think that this chart is really telling because this goes all the way back to 2019, at least this view does. And you could see that from 29, from peaking at the kick start of 2020 through even 2021, buzz for Weight Watchers was declining. It, it wasn't necessarily doing well. And this preceded a pretty significant drop in Weight Watchers shares. So, but then in 2022, you start to see a trend shift, right? We start to see a little bit more engagement and buzz is rising again. There's an inflection point here and it's leading by a couple of months. And this, so this caught our eye, especially, you know, with the stock trading underneath $5. And 
the basic premise is we saw, you know, we've got a change in leadership. They're shaking up how they do things. Um, They're targeting younger generations. Um, The company is starting to take steps and it's starting to actually show up in our data that they may be reaching a critical, you know, turning point as a company. And so we put out a bullish alert for our clients. And um, this was, this was just, we said, okay, you know, buy up to $4 a share, really easy way to do this. And you can see that through the end of January, we were already, um, we were already up pretty nicely. And, you know, if you were a trader and investor, you could have decided to close out at this point, or if you would have waited until Tuesday and see that um, Weight Watchers, I think it was up by more than 50% at one point during Tuesday on news. This was following its earnings release. And um, it essentially was acquiring a telehealth company. And what this would do is it would give it access to be able to connect its own users, which it has a pretty robust user base with prescription weight loss drugs. And so this is this is a totally different strategy, but it was something that we were already kind of, kind of getting glimpses of in our own consumer data that the company was kind of changing its tune. It was turning around and it was resonating with consumers. These are some of those, um, the weight loss drugs that I'm talking about. And you guys have probably heard of this. I think Wigovi was the one that Elon Musk um, notably hyped that he was using. And then Ozempic is the most popular of the drugs that we track in our system, but we're able to track these trends and you can kind of see why Weight Watchers may want to make this decision. But it's really powerful because, you know, if you look back at this point in January, when shares were down, I think that they were, they were around $3 and $3.86, something. This doesn't look like a company that many people would, but maybe, you know, you start to hear friends talk about Weight Watchers there. Maybe you start to see it show up in your ticket and, and then you, you look at this data and you say, wait a second, there are more people talking about this company. They're, they're starting to shake things up. They're starting to do things differently. This could help support and help give you ammunition for a, a bullish bet on a company or help support a bullish thesis if it's something that you're noticing in your own life. So this is one way to kind of utilize, you know, big picture consumer insights to spot these diamonds in the rough of this might be in the middle of a turnaround. And it's not just a guess supported by actual data. Another example of this, um, you know, one report, one type of report that we put out monthly is called a megatrends report. And we feature this around a theme and um, we we isolate, you know, five different companies that are related to this theme that maybe we want to feature and how our data is leaning on these companies. And in September, we noticed that we were actually seeing strength in a lot of our tech companies. And this is what the headlines looked like in September. Just to remind you, if we, you know, turn back the clocks, they had, they just had the worst stretch since the start of the pandemic. Shares were way down. All of these companies were being punished. Um, And we said, you know what? I think now is the time that we are going to be bullish on tech stocks. But it wasn't because we were playing devil's advocate. You know, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't for anything like that. It was because we saw in our consumer data that, wait a second, you know, these shares have shed a tremendous amount of value, but from the consumer perspective, from real people actually talking about buying products and using products, um, things didn't look 
quite so bad, you know, things, you know, we're actually still recording growth and that wasn't the case for all the companies in our universe. So that's a, it's a nice way to be able to visualize data like this, where you can see, okay, we've got this handful of companies that are outperforming, especially on a demand growth perspective versus some other peers in the same sector. NVIDIA was one of these, um, this quarterly bar chart, these are mentions of people who are talking about actually um, purchasing or utilizing an NVIDIA product or service. And this is pretty incredible. You can see the sample size is it's really high. You're talking almost 15,000 demand mentions in a quarter. So this is very, very robust. This is more robust than just about any focus group that you're going to find. And this far right bar that's shaded this was the progress bar. And this is one of my favorite tools to use because this tells us um, it, it's almost like a pace bar. And it says, okay, based on historical trends and the current rate of mentions in this quarter, because we know internally when every quarter begins and ends, this is where this quarter is pacing to end out. So this quarter was pacing for significant growth while NVIDIA shares had sold off really steeply. Um, and you know, in general, I, we didn't go this, I don't have these charts on this presentation, but just overall trends in terms of AI, in terms of, you know, high tech um, or autonomous vehicles, um, processing, um, all of these things that NVIDIA is involved in, we saw demand really sparking. So we thought, you know, this one, this has not really been a fair pullback, at least in our eyes, from the perspective. Meta was another example of this. We saw Meta published or punished tremendously. Um, and a lot of that had to do with ad dollars and a lot of that had to do with ad spend. But from our perspective, at least on the consumer front, we're actually seeing more people talking about using and engaging with its core product lineup. So for us, this gave us, um, this gave us the power to say, you know what, we think that we think that this, this name may have been punished for, you know, a valid issue for declining ad spend, but its underlying um, value proposition to consumers, its platforms, this is, this element is still performing well. And so this is something that we think that, you know, as ad spend ticks back up, this is likely to be a beneficiary. We don't see this as, you know, this long-term negative drag on a name like Meta. And then Netflix may have been the most controversial one because Netflix, this was just following the quarter, if you guys remember, in April or early May, whenever, I think it was the first time that Netflix had ever published any type of subscriber loss and um, people and investors were spooked. But what we were able to see is that demand mentions, while significantly lower from COVID, were starting to improve again. You know, it's not like people were um, deserting in the amount that I think that the market feared, at least not that our data. So this gave us condition to say, okay, you know, Netflix is a name that we actually see strength building in, in contrast with how its stocks performing. And so this is just an update on some of the companies that we featured and our current gains. You can see NVIDIA especially is crushing it. Um, Netflix doing really well. Meta doing really well. Um, Apple is positive. Google, not so much, but from, you know, uh, four out of the five companies that are posted in that September report have a pretty significant gain. And this isn't necessarily the max gain. This is the current gain at the time that I was actually putting together this report. So 
Um, this is just, you know, how we leverage you know, consumer data alongside trends or spotting for opportunities. We also look at this on the earnings side of things. So, you know, we also, we featured Netflix in September as a longer term bullish opportunity on this, you know, higher level megatrends report. We also put out a sheet weekly ahead of earnings releases. So this is actually, Netflix was the company that kicked off this, you know, first quarter of 2023 earnings season, if you will. And we took a very unpopular position in saying that our data shows significant demand growth. And we also show significant outperformance versus peers. And I want to show you this because if you look at something without being able to compare versus peers, it, it's not as powerful. But when you looked at Netflix new subscription and saw these mentions rising and people saying, I signed up for Netflix rising. Um, and then you look at it versus peers and these aren't bad. I mean, these aren't bad peers. We're look, we're talking about Disney plus HBO max, YouTube. We see these subscription mentions, you know, down by at a minimum 40%. This is a huge split and a huge divergence for us. And um, not only were new subs up, viewership was up. And we knew we, you know, this is just an example. This is just a peek into our back end of the type of, you know, analysis that we do. We knew that the most important thing when it came to um, Netflix were a combination of new subscriptions and viewer and Netflix viewership. We conduct this type of analysis for every single company that we cover, and it's different for every single company that we cover. So we felt really convicted heading into this earnings report with a bullish view. And sure enough, Netflix um, surged on a massive subscriber beat, and you can kind of see how how things played out earlier this year. So this is just you know one way to apply consumer data. So it almost to me it feels like you're not flying blind. If you're testing, um, if you're testing a hypothesis in your own trading strategy, another example of how we kind of played this is through it's the ticker symbol ONON and it's on holdings and it's these on cloud running shoes and it's the funky looking shoes. You can kind of see it in here on this picture on the very bottom. But um, we saw this new brand rising to popularity and you can see this on the green line. Those are those mentions of people who are talking about um, purchasing a pair of those running shoes specifically. And then look at the stock price. It's it's heading the complete opposite direction. At this point, I think it was trading around this year. But anytime on this far right, if you look at that, you see purchase intent straight up into the right. And then you see the stock straight down into the right. This It almost looks like a Pac-Man mouth. And I those are the divergence opportunities that we love to spot because we see something in our consumer data that has not worked its way through um, maybe to an earnings report yet. It's definitely had it hasn't made its way to Wall Street. And so this is this is something that we said, okay, we're we feel convicted and going bullish, you know, despite the stock's performance um, really since its IPO. That was this was in a megatrends report. Um, this was the October megatrends report that we first, you know, went bullish. Then we doubled down in January because we said, okay, this wasn't just an anomaly. We, you know, raised our buy up to price. I think in the Megatrends report, we were, you know, we said maybe $18 a share. Now we're saying maybe $20 a share. But part of this was driven because of this extreme outperformance. This is another one of those divergence cases. Like I talked about Netflix was outperforming peers. Look at how OnCloud is doing versus big names, you know, Nike, Adidas, 
Decker's, Decker's, which owns um, Uggs and Tevas and um, Hoka's, the running shoes, and then Crocs. And when you see this type of upper right positioning, that's that's really that supports um, a hypothesis for strong brand growth. We also saw this unique split emerging that consumers, especially um, higher earning consumers, had strong demand for this higher end apparel. And this is an area where on running shoes operated, I think the average pair of running shoes is going to cost you, I think it's more than 150 bucks. It depends on how fancy you want to get, but um, it's definitely more than a hundred bucks for a pair of running shoes, which is probably going to be more than, you know, the average pair of Nikes you could grab if you're going to Dick's Sporting Goods. So this is, you know, more of a high-end brand, more of a luxury brand, but we saw insulation among this specific sector of consumers that weren't as impacted from the impacts of inflation and things like that. And you can see on this chart where we first went bullish um, in October on our megatrends report where shares were trading. And then now, um, you know, we're doubled down in January. You know, this is still a name that we like long-term that we're continuing to watch. And then I guess I'll leave with some, um, you know, those previous examples were kind of proof points for how we approach our data. But these are ones that just internally we're watching that... Um, I don't think we've actually released any official reports on these yet, but you could see, you could see something. You could see this featured in some of our content moving forward because it's caught our attention. And one is Hims and Hers. Um, and this is a telehealth company, but they specialize in um, a lot of what some people might consider um, like embarrassing issues, whether it's, um, you know, hair loss, whether it's problems in the bedroom, whether um, you're talking about acne or skincare, um, whether you're talking about mental health and, and they provide solutions for people, you know, connect, speak to a doctor, speak to um, a professional online. Um, and then you can also order products online. They have just personal care products, you know, like vitamins and supplements um, as well. And you can see in this first quarter of 2023, we're currently on pace for all-time highs. Meanwhile, Shares are trading well below where they were in 2021. Academy Sports is another interesting one. We're watching this ahead of its next, next earnings report. We just saw um, Dick's post a really nice earnings report. We actually see Academy doing um, performing better, at least from our data perspective. Um, you can see, too, this, this first quarter bar pace gives us hope for guidance that this is, you know, demand is remaining strong heading into the current year. So we'll see how this plays out. And then Upwork, this is another one of those examples of you know classic divergence. We have played Fiverr, which is another one of those um, like freelancing platforms. Upwork is a freelancing platform. Fiverr is a freelancing platform. And we see a lot of people who are, you know, really value remote work and they value flexibility. And so they're turning to companies like Upwork and like Fiverr. But we haven't seen the traction in Upwork share prices yet, but this is definitely one we're watching. People talking about either signing up for Upwork as a freelancer or utilizing Upwork freelancer up 75% year over year. Um, we also see freelance rates up year over year, just the overall macro trend um, with shares trading here. Maybe worth a look. And that's all that's all I've got for today. I hope that hope that you guys enjoyed it. I hope that you got the main theme that, um, you know, the key here is that we're not necessarily, you know, selling a 
you know, copy my trade or copy paste trade this way, trade that way. We are trying to create um, insights and analyze data in a way that helps give traders and investors an edge and gives you a resource to check your hypothesis and inform your trading and help make um, help make better decisions that is actually powered by what consumers are talking about. Um, if you want to sign up for our daily drop, just go to likefolio.com. We send that out every day at three. And again, if you have any questions, um, please feel free to email me. Definitely be watching out for that. My email is megan at likefolio.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys.